beginning in verse 16. We are going to finish up our core values today. And uh, we've talked about the fact that we are a church of love. We are a church of the manifest presence of God. We are a church of the word of God. We have uh, talked about the fact that we are a church that values all people from all generations. Last week, we talked about the fact that we are a church that believes in the power of, of prayer and intercession. And this week, we're going to finish things up by talking about the importance of missions. Our church, Covington First, has always been a church that's been all about missions. I wish that I could say that we had sit down and pre-planned and scheduled out our services for this BGMC giving day. Uh, we didn't. God's just good in helping us organize things. Amen? Amen? Carla said, you remember I talked to you a few weeks ago about doing this? And I went, no. But I said, that's going to work out perfect. We're talking about missions today. This church has always been a church that's been founded on missions focused on missions. There was a point I know several years ago that we supported 52 uh, missionaries here in our district, uh, not in our district, here in, in the Assemblies of God uh, missionaries. Since then, several have come off the field. We have tried to take their funds and transfer it to others that we've supported for a long time to boost support. We've also picked up a few others along the way. I'm not sure what our exact number of Assemblies of God missionaries is right now that we support. I'm going to guess it's somewhere in the 48 range. Miss Maisie could probably correct me on that, but I think it's in that area. Uh, we, we support a lot of missionaries here. Uh, we, we love missions. Uh, our, part of the reason we have so many missionaries that we support, uh, I've heard this over the years, over and over again, by different missionaries who have been on the field a long time or evangelists. They would say, do you know Pastor Allen? Uh, pastor Edgar Allen and I would say well yes he was my pastor when I was a kid and they would say you know he was the first one to give me an opportunity to uh, speak at his church to be picked up on, on missions he picked us up years ago and your church has supported us ever since over and over and over I've heard that over and over so our church has always been about missions always we, some, some of you say, Pastor, why do we have missionaries in throughout the year? We, we'll have probably four different missionaries throughout the year usually that will come in, whether it be on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning. Uh, it's important for us to have missionaries come in and speak to us and show us what God's doing. Amen? Some people say, well, Pastor, we don't have missionaries in. I've had, I've had ministers tell me this. We don't have missionaries on Sundays anymore because, you know, we only had that one Sunday morning service and we've only got one shot and we don't want some missionary coming in and just kind of mumbling around and not preaching very good and all this stuff. And I've heard people say missionaries just aren't good preachers. Listen, some missionaries are wonderful preachers. Amen? Other missionaries aren't. It's not their calling. They don't, they don't live for this. They don't live to get up here in front of you and preach. It's, it's their worst thought to have to itinerate and raise funds for a year and a half or a year. To come off the field and come back here and look at your mugs. And I tease, uh, the missionaries I'm close with, I tease them. Calling me for money again, huh? Always giving them a hard time. But that's how they feel. They feel like they got to show up and say, yeah, i got to try to convince these people to support my mission and what I'm doing. Folks, for us, you know what our benefit is? We don't bring missionaries in here to entertain us. We bring them in here to show us what our investment is bringing forth in their ministry. Amen? It's a powerful thing. And we've always done that. I remember being a kid and sitting in here and uh, watching the guy up here with the slide thing, the slide machine. Remember the big slide machine? It looked like a Gatlin gun up there with all these slides and circles. You hit the button while he's talking, you hear... There's another picture on the screen. You know, I remember being a kid and watching and hearing the stories of the missionaries and, and, and seeing them feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and, and preaching the gospel to people groups all over the world. I remember loving hearing the stories of them reaching out to it and usually the enemy coming against them in some fashion and how God would overcome and great stories of God moving forward in His kingdom. That's why we have missionaries here. We need to know this. We are a church that believes the power of missions. We are a church, always has been a church, that believes in the power of missions. We teach missions on all levels and all age groups and all expectations throughout the church. We teach it. Pastor Carl already said, $5,238.41 our kids raised for BGMC last year. That's powerful. It's a record for our church, and I'm sure it'll probably be first place in our division. I know, Pastor, we shouldn't put a feather in our cap through competition. Hey, they keep the records, not me. <laughs> and if they're going to send me a booklet showing us we're number one, I'm going to say, hey, we're number one. 
Just smile. Could be worse things that we're number one in. <laughs> number one loser church in the district. No. <laughs> Speed the light. Our youth gave $8,350 last year. That's powerful. They broke the old record that I set, and I don't like it, but I'm excited. I'm excited for them that they're number one. I'm sure they'll be number one in their division this year, which is exciting. Our church's total missions giving to the Assemblies of God for 2016 was $53,392.06. Amen. That's a good thing. And, and I could be wrong. My numbers could be wrong. I tried to go back and, and to estimate where we're at. And according to my estimations, uh, we are... Let me slow down for a second. Beyond AG giving, we have other missions that we give into for evangelists and missionaries uh, outside of the Assemblies of God and other programs and other things that we do. Plus, we do local things here in our community for outreach and blessing others for benevolence needs and so on and so forth. When you put all of those together, our church has given over $60,000 towards missions in the Assemblies of God and missions-based ministries outside of the Assemblies of God. That comes to... 19 point something, almost 20% of our annual tithe and offering last year. Where it's recommended that a church would tithe on their income, which is 10% towards missions on their income. Folks, we're doing 20%. We are a church that believes in missions. That's who we are. And if we look at this and look at the total of our, our, our missions giving, our AG missions giving especially, it, it's on average, it's close to about a $20,000 increase from 2010 to now that we give to missions. We're a missions church. That's who we are. We believe in the power of Christ. We believe in God moving. And folks, listen, beyond that, those of you who have given your time, you've given your energy, you've done things for our, our food and clothing drives here in the community, for Light the Night, other things you've shown up, you've worked, you've done things, you've invested yourself into missions. So this is who we are. It's why we do what we do. God is a, a God of love and God is a God of mercy and He wants to spread that throughout not only this community but the entire world. You ready for this? Missions. Why is it important? Number one, missions is the heart of the Father. It's the heartbeat of our God. It, it is who He is. In John 3.16, and forgive me as I read it in NIV, and my eyes are reading one thing and my mind's trying to quote in King James Version. Bothers me every single time. But I'm going to read it. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever believe, does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Why do we give to missions? Because there is a condemned world out there who doesn't know who Jesus Christ is. We have found the pearl of great price. We are His pearl of great price and He is ours. Folks, we have discovered who Jesus Christ is and we want the world to know it. And we can't all go. And when we can't all go, we can at least all fund it. Amen? And God sent Jesus driven by love and compassion. This is the heart of the Father. He loves and so He sins. He sees a world that's in rebellion against Him, a world that is turned away, a world that doesn't even know or understand who He is, and fueled by love, driven by love, compelled by love, He tells Jesus, His Son, will you go down there? Will you live a sinless life? Will you go down and lay your life down for them and their sins? Will you allow your back to be ripped off? Will you allow a, a crown of thorns to be driven into your head? Will you allow your hands and feet to nail yourself to a cross of wood and to hang between heaven and earth for their sins and allow your blood to be the propitiation of their sins to cleanse them, to wash them, to purify them. Will you do this? And when you do it, I will send my Spirit through you and through your hand to their lives and to move them forward in my kingdom and you will give eternal life to them. Will you do this? And Jesus said yes. That's why he's referred to as the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. The lamb that made the decision before the earth was ever laid in order. God, by his divine understanding and his knowledge and his omniscience, knew the plan and the path that people would take and the need for salvation. God knew before he created the first man that he was going to fall. And Jesus said, I will go. 
For God so loved the world that He gave. And folks, that's what missions is. For God so loved the world and the love of Christ in me would cause me to give. Whatever it is, my time, my finances, my resources, my prayers, my support. You know, all these missionaries that come through the doors of our church, they'll tell you, Pastor, we appreciate the money, we we appreciate the monthly support and the offerings. And by the way, as I say this, the offerings that we have given to missionaries out of this church in the last year have caused them to weep. Not because it's so little. Our executive secretary, David Delp, was here last year and preached. And when he left, I handed him his check. And, uh, and, and we, then we went to have to, He teared up and said, you have no idea what this does for others. They say, Pastor, we appreciate the money, but, but more than anything, we covered your prayers. The region we're going to is full of demonic oppression. The region we're going to is full of government oppression. The region we're going to, our lives are threatened. We can't even tell people where we're at and why and, who's, and why we're there. We have to go undercover for this and that. Pastor, we appreciate the money, but more than anything, we, we covet your prayers. Why are they doing this? It's the heart of God. It's the love of God. And the good thing about this, and I can tell you the great thing about this is, is that whatever you give to God, when you line yourself up with this heartbeat, you can't outgive Him. You can't. Peter said this in Luke 18, 28. Peter said to him, speaking to Jesus, we've left all we had to follow you. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. No one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. This whole thing about the Father in heaven, we're capturing His heart and we're doing things that please Him. And when we do that, He continues it and He perpetuates it. Those of you with children, have you ever seen them capture your heart for something? Have you ever seen your kids capture a love for something and then, and then see them go after it? It's so easy to invest and push and teach because you have the same heart in that area. I gave Abigail, well, I gave April and I gave, I picked it out. <laughs> a teething toy that looks like bacon. It was the most exciting thing to watch my granddaughter chew on a a rubber piece of bacon with a big smile on her face. And I think, sweetie, someday you're going to get the real thing. And Papa can't wait to help you get the bacon. Last Sunday, I was over here at the side worshiping, and Miranda was still, she's not feeling well again today, but Alyssa covered service for her leading worship last week, and she was singing Potter's Hand at the end of the service worship service and I just began to weep over there because God just began to speak to me and said I'm going to fulfill this prayer in her life and I just began to weep because see I remember I remember her we got pictures of it the first time she started like smiling and belly laughing I had my guitar and I'd sit on the edge of the couch and I would play it for her and she would just stop and look at it and she would just grin, this great big grin on her face and laugh as I play. And we started to say, this kid's only like, what, three months old? Four months old? She's musical. She's going to be musical. And, and, and I love music. I have a love for music. And as I began to see that develop in her, we've always, we've, we've poured money into piano lessons. We poured into this. We, we encouraged this and encouraged this. Why? Because she captured my heart. She captured my love for my God and my worship for Him and the music part of it. And so we've always been willing to pour in, encourage, give, encourage, push, so that we could see God manifested in our life. You and I are no different with our Heavenly Father. When He sees us begin to see the world with His eyes, when He sees us begin to pour into our resources, our lives, our efforts into seeing the lost one for the kingdom, He says, whatever you give, it doesn't matter. I'm going to replace it. I'm going to keep pouring into your life. You're going to have more. You're going to keep getting more because you cannot outgive me in something that my heart is beating for. We like to encourage the good behavior of our kids, don't we? That's a good thing. I don't care how much it costs. We're going to make sure we do it. It's good. And when it comes to missions, God's saying it's good. 
Lord, this $20, should I give it to the missionary? I don't know, God. What's your will? Listen, let me save you a prayer. Yes. It's the heart of our Father. God, this $10 into this, this buddy barrel, is it worth it? Yes. And some of you right now, some preachers are asking for money. I don't see a dime of that. I don't touch it. I don't, matter of fact, I don't see it at all. I don't count the money and I don't do the deposit. I'm speaking to people of God and saying, look, God wants to bless you as you capture His heart. Secondly, because it is the heart of the Father, missions must be community focused. In Isaiah chapter 6, if you want to turn there, you can. If not, it's on the screen. We see Isaiah has a, has a vision of God and the power and glory of God. And then he says this, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. He said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding, be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. This doesn't seem right, does it? This, this man of God gets a vision of who God is. And then he gets his lips cleansed. Then he gets sent. And then God says, you're going to do this job, but they're not going to listen to you. Key words in this. Verse 9. This people. Go and tell this people. Everybody say this people. This people. You know what that is? That's this people. It's the people he's with. It's the people he's around every day. If we are going to capture the heart of the Father, we cannot just put money into missions and, and take our, our little missionary uh, paper here and, and put, well, I'm going to give this today. Just put missions and throw it in the offering, folks, and, and, and not think about those around us. God's not excited if we're thinking about people in Africa and we're not thinking about our co-workers. Can I get an amen? amen? This people. Isaiah had a tough job. He was called by God to go and speak to people that God said, they're not going to listen to you. I want you to go speak to a bunch of people who aren't even going to listen. How many of us know that sometimes God's plan is bigger than what we think the reaction should be? <laughs> God's got a bigger, he's, he's doing something bigger. He said, Isaiah, I know they're not going to listen, just go speak. Whether they listen or they don't listen, that's not your problem. You go speak to them. Folks, here's the thing. Have you ever not talked to somebody because you thought to yourself, they'll never listen to me? Usually, that doesn't happen from the people that leave their home and their families and go to Africa or India, or China, or somewhere else. That happens with us every day. Lord, they're not going to listen to me. They're going to ridicule me. They're going to make fun of me. It's just going to harden their hearts. They don't want to care. They don't care what I have to say, blah, blah, blah. Here's the reality of it. God didn't tell us to go and get great results. He told us to go and speak and trust Him with the results. Amen? The fields are white with harvest. The fields are white with harvest. And Jesus said that and he looked at the disciples and he said, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send workers into his harvest field. You know what he wanted the disciples to do? What Isaiah did. When the Lord said, hmm, let's see, whom shall I send? Here I am. Send me to this people. This stiff-necked people that aren't going to listen to me. Folks, I don't know if you know this about our culture or not. It's getting more and more stiff-necked all the time. We're crazy. We done all went and lost our minds. <laughs> Haven't we? Yes. We've got to love them. And God's called us to be the light to these people. You say, how do I do that? Well, we'll follow the example of Isaiah. 
First of all, we get a revelation of who God is. It's powerful. God is God. I am not God's powerful. I am not God is holy. I am not God is glorious. I am not God is God. He's the creator and I am the creation. Secondly, we need to recognize our own sin in our lives and say, woe is me. Anybody ever had a, a woe is me moment other than me? Huh? Anybody? I've had a few woe is me moments in my life. Woe is me. For I am a sinner. I am an unclean man. I live among people with unclean lips. And here's what will happen. God will take a coal from the altar and he will burn your mouth. Set your tongue on fire. Purify your lips. Amen. Cleanse you and say you're clean. And then God is asking this. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have been cleansed by the power of God, if He has touched your lips and purified who you are, then here's the question. Does God really want me to do something for Him? The answer is yes. He's standing outside and saying, Whom whom shall I send? It's kind of like that really good elementary school teacher. You know... Hmm, I wonder who would like to go and get the milk today for milk break. Oh, 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 oh! Or the question, I wonder if anybody would like a cupcake. Oh, oh, oh! I wonder if anybody would like to go to the library and get a library book. That's what the Lord is saying. It. Whom shall I send? He's waiting for us to say, here am I, Lord. Send me. And the warning is this, folks. The outcome and the results are not a reflection of how horrible you are, how low down you are, or anything else. The results are the Lord's. I just have to speak the truth in love. Y'all can take it or leave it. You can receive it, believe it, hate me for it, whatever. I'm just going to throw this out there. And if you do, here's what's going to happen. Some people are going to listen and respond and it's going, to, it's going to make you so energetic and so full of life. It's going to be awesome. And then some people are going to mock you for it. Some people are going to turn their backs on you for it and it's going to hurt deeply. But child of God, obey your heavenly Father and I promise you, he, you will receive more. He's going to bless you for it. So our focus can't just be on the world. It's got to be local too. And that's why we've started doing some local things. We need to do more, of course. But number three, because it's the heart of the Father, missions must be focused on the world. Now, if you look at Jonah chapter four, we've talked about Jonah before, but just as a good reminder, Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. The Lord told him to go to Nineveh. He did not want to go to Nineveh. He did not want to have to go deal with the Assyrian people. He didn't want to go to Syria. That's what this boils down to. Jonah said, I don't want to go to Syria. He said, Lord, all those people need to die. They're evil, they're wicked, they're horrible. They hate us, you know they hate us. And now you're going to send me in there to go tell them about your grace, your mercy, and your power. Well, he got swallowed by a fish. Folks, if you argue with God and you disobey Him, don't go deep sea fishing. (laughs) Mark that down. Put that in your little Bible and remember it. If I'm going to be disobedient to God, don't go deep sea fishing. Because he'll make a fish swallow you and take you and throw you up on the land until you obey him. Amen? So Jonah says, fine, I'll go. He had to pray out of the depths of Sheol, the scripture says. Out of the depths of hell. Out of the belly of the fish crying out to God, and God miraculously spits him up on the land so he can go preach to a people who worship Dagon, a fish god. God said, you want to run from me? Fine, I'll just use it and make it even better than it was before. So he obeys. He goes there and he preaches. In Jonah chapter 4, verse 1, the people repent. And this is Jonah's reaction. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, and a God who relents from sinning calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? 
Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made a shelter for himself, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I am angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you have, you have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? I'm not sure Jonah wasn't an, wasn't an American citizen. I'm not totally biblical on this one, but I see the good old United States of America and Jonah's attitude. There are some people groups, there are some groups that are just ridiculous. We need to nuke them, be done with it, and move on. Don't please take this and take that little segment out as a clip and then put that all over somewhere. The pastor Bob said this. Don't even do it as a joke, seriously. But, but this, this whole thing about people groups is, is settled in. We're all about our vine, aren't we? Aren't we all about our vine and our comfort? Sitting back and waiting for God to destroy the rest of the world? And I don't mean that every American feels that way, and I'm not saying that every Christian feels that way, but darn it, some of us do. And it's, it's got to stop. Missions, if we're going to follow Christ, has got to be about the world. It can't just be about us. It can't just be about our comfort. It can't just be about our preferences. It's got to be about people who, look like, who don't look like us, who don't act like us, who don't smell like us, who have different skin colors than us, who speak a different language than us, who wear different clothes than us, who worship differently than us. It's got to be about the whole world. Our God is a creative God. And our God is going to have with Him in heaven someday a, a worship session of every tribe, every tongue, every kindred, every nation on this earth is going to have representation at the throne room of God. We cannot be a Jonah and be selective about who's worthy and who isn't. We can't. We can't. I think it's awesome that we have the account of Jonah and the exact place that he was dealing with is still the place where this world is struggling so much. We were praying in our prayer meeting last week and April was praying through. We started praying for our missionaries and April began to pray something that Jamie Montero shared when he was here last time is that, that he was with some young people who were memorizing the entire Bible because so, they knew that they were going to go into this place in the Middle East and go into Islamic terrorist groups and share the gospel and lay down their lives for, for Jesus Christ. I can't fathom that. But they were Jonah's with the right heart. Amen? Can I tell you something? Growing up in white Indiana, West Central, white America, through and through, there have been times I got frustrated with people of other skin colors. And there have been times that I've been frustrated with people that speak other languages. Can I just be honest with you this morning? Is it okay if we're honest? Right? No? It's not okay if I'm honest? Okay. I don't care. I'm going to say it anyway. I'm, 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 I'm kind of one of those people that's, that's real. I'm not a racist at all. But having grown up in this community, I wasn't around a whole lot of African-American people. I wasn't around uh, anybody else, really, of any other nationality. And so it's easy to question. It's easy to be uncomfortable. Amen. Uh, I'm not uncomfortable anymore. I don't have any problems. But here's some things I've said before. Speak English. It's America. I've said it. Isn't that awful? I didn't say it last week. Don't worry, but I've said it before. I, there have been times, but, but I've, I've shared this with you before, and I'm going to, just for the sake of time, I, I have to hurry. 
But I, uh, years, a couple of years ago, a few years ago now, Assemblies of God had a 100-year uh, celebration out in Springfield. Um, it was 100 year, or 100 years old. And it was, I did not realize when I went, I went by myself, April wasn't able to go because it was the start of school, a lot of stuff going on. And I said, I, I just have to go to this. I feel like God wants me to. I went out and I spent three days uh, just in the awesome presence of God and around brothers and sisters from all nations. You talk about a beautiful worship service, folks. It was the most wonderful thing I have ever been a part of in my life. It was the closest thing to heaven that I have been a part of. Walking through the the hallways of that that convention center like this, and all sides of me, I have all different languages, all different dialects, people talking and conversing and carrying the same Bible that I read. I'll never forget this guy, and it looked like a suit jacket. It was light blue, and he was right in front of me. He was about yay big and a little bit shorter than me, kind of a stalky guy and walking in and and the crowd. I just kind of looked down and he had a, a, a skirt that matched the suit top and sandals on. And I just thought, hey, if it works. I did chuckle to myself thinking, I wonder what people would do if I showed up with a suit jacket and a suit skirt on. Those worship services were awesome. To see our African brothers and sisters in all their colorful garb, man. And people worshiping and praising God and and taking part in that. And they had uh, certain songs that we did where they would have different people come out and sing the verses in other languages. Folks, our God is a creative, beautiful, powerful God. And and they're all, every person on the face of this earth, you and I and others everywhere else are valuable and important to Him. Every social status. Every nation, every tongue are valuable to our God. Can I warn you of one more thing before I actually move forward with my notes? There is an enemy that is at work in this world today and in our nation. The United States of America traditionally was a nation that has sent forth many missionaries and funded missionaries and transformation in countries all around the world. You know what's happening in our culture today? I'm going to give you two political things. You ready? I know. Right now, everybody goes, oh, dear God, he's getting political. It's over. Number one, we have a news media that's trying to redefine what Christianity is and destroy our understanding and love for other people in this world. Now, now before you get upset with me about it, I'm not talking about the right and I'm not talking about the left. I'm talking about all of them. And here's why. Because they want us, uh, the right wants us to see this all-inclusive, jacked-up mindset of what they think missions is. And that is just bring everybody in. Everybody needs to come over here, and that's missions. Folks, let me just tell you something. That is such a minuscule way to help anything around the world. It's, all this is doing is putting a little feather in our cap saying we've done something really good. We've accepted people into our nation. I'm not saying put them out, but you can't have the entire world come here. Amen? Amen. And the ones that can come here are the best of the other nations, the most educated, the most wealthy, the ones that are able to make it in. And so we take them out of the other nations. And then we want to huddle everything. Now, now that, now Christian, if you don't believe that we should open up everything and let everybody in all the time, anytime they want to come in, then you are not a Christian. Let me stop and ask everybody a question. Do you lock your doors at night? Do you lock your car? Does that mean you hate everybody? No. Don't. The mindset is that one, okay? That's just a nutshell. Then the other side is this. We've got to be afraid of everybody. These people are evil. We're letting all these people in. They're evil. They're going to come destroy us and all this other stuff. Folks, listen. I understand. We lock things. We, we, we protect ourselves. We guarantee ourselves safety. And that's important. You've got to make sure that's there. But at the same time, you don't lose love for people. And they're fighting back and forth and feeding off of this stuff and creating two sides. And Christians are over here demanding that these people are closed-minded and those people aren't real Christians because they're not inclusive. And these people over here are saying, you're not Christians because you're not protecting what's yours and and you're being ignorant. And uh, uh, uh." Folks, Jesus Christ came into the world to save the world, not to condemn the world. 
And this message about the, the, the message of go is go, not bring everybody here. It's to go, therefore, and preach the gospel. We can't fix the world crisis by bringing it. You just can't. And there's people that can share that way more eloquently than I can. But I'm cautioning you, child of God. Be careful because our media is wicked. They're wicked. Always has been. Well, last 30 years it's been bad. It's been real bad. Because they don't just report stuff anymore. They report and then they tell you how to feel about it. And they only report to back up what they can get you to feel. And I'm not talking about the right and the left. I'm talking about both. We have to view our media and our culture through the lens of Jesus Christ. We have to. Because if we don't, what's going to happen is, is we're going to have a perverted understanding of who God is and what this world really is and who we should love and who we should not love. And we'll end up just like Jonah in our comfortable little house or vine, whichever you want to call it, waiting for God to destroy the rest of the world. We cannot become that person. We have got to invest and send and love people who are different than us. Fourthly, lastly, this morning, this whole message about, say, why is mission so important, Pastor? It's important because, because it's for all. Missions is a call for all of us, not just a few, not just a couple. And, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to read uh, the, the Great Commission, but the Great Commission is in here twice in Matthew 28 and Mark 16. We know that it means to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We get it. We understand it. And what I want to caution you about this morning in connection with this, if, when Miranda comes here, uh, we're going to close out taking communion together here in just a moment. But in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, it says this, that uh, when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus had died on the cross. He had been resurrected. And now he's coming back to them, telling them to go wait in Jerusalem until I give you the spirit I promise. And they asked this question, are you, are, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the promise of the Lord. And here's what happened. They had received from God. Uh, they were excited for his kingdom. And they said, so now, is it now, is it now? And the Lord said, no, I'm going to give you power to be my witnesses. There's one thing I can, under, I can promise you is if we decided to do end time studies here at the church, if we decided to go through the book of Revelation and Bible prophecy, whoom, people flock in. You know why, don't you? Because I want to know how much longer I got till I need to repent. That's what it is. Let me tell you, repent now. The kingdom of heaven is near. Amen? People don't fill the church when you say, come on by, we're going to talk about missions. The disciples had a tendency there all of us do lord are you going to restore your kingdom now and the lord says no there's work to do <laughs> the lord is patient not willing that any should perish but all would come to repentance through jesus christ and that's the word of god and so the disciples were anxious for the kingdom and jesus was anxious for them to get busy i'm anxious for the lord to return yes but god has empowered us with his spirit to go forward with the message of the gospel. Therefore, go. Therefore, go. Go. I play games with Mike at my house and we'll have the ball and I'm teaching him how to play football. Sometimes I'll take the little football and I go, Blue 32! Blue 32! And he just stands there and looks at me. And I say, Hut! Go! And I hand the ball, to, when I say go, he goes, go! And he takes off running. <laughs> I tackle him and he'll tackle me. It's all good. Capturing his grandfather's heart. No, folks, we have to have that kind of response when the Lord says go. He didn't say sit back and wait for the kingdom to get here. He didn't say get underneath a, a, a comfortable plant and watch and wait for the kingdom. He said to go. You're empowered by my spirit to do it. This is for all. This is for whosoever will. This is for anybody that would be willing to go forward in the power of Christ. This morning, we're going to take communion together. This right here 
is why we go. The cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Amen. The message of the cross is sufficient. Always has been, always will be. It was sufficient for Herb and Karen Johnson when the guy hacked them up with a machete trying to steal their missions money that wasn't there but the, but the uh, attacker thought it was. It's, it's enough for them when they do their missions work around uh, Indonesia and the Philippines and different places out there. When they hop from island to island to people groups that, that are waiting and begging for the gospel and they go in and they do their missions work, it's sufficient. David and Amy Dingman, who will be with us this spring, sufficient for them in India when they go in on a teacher's visa and go in and teach people how they teach English with the Bible. It was sufficient for my friend Bill Chapel, who him and his family went into India and were there for a while. And, and when they were gone one day, their house was raided and uh, somebody was a Muslim informant that was running them out of town. They were going to be arrested. They had to escape with nothing over the night and, and, and go from country to country, basically like an underground railroad type thing until they got out. It was sufficient. Chris and Amy Stubbs, who are raising up ministers in West Africa, Sufficient. Sufficient. Bernie and Brenda Smith, Togo, West Africa, raising up ministers, sending them out. Sarah Karens, by herself, young lady, ministering in South Africa, who is the youth representative of the Assemblies of God in South Africa today. We support her. Awesome young lady. Kelly Delt, by herself, in, in Paris, in France today. This is enough. It's sufficient. My friend, Carolyn Slaughter, who is teaching uh, on a teaching visa in China, who is a part of the underground church over there. Bibles and missions work. The lose, they can't even tell you where they're at because it's such a sensitive place to be. Other folks who are in sensitive places, Brother Bach in Spain, Oh, I can't wait someday to have them here. They are awesome. You will absolutely love them. They started their ministry there in Spain. And I think it's Madrid. I could be wrong, but I'm thinking that's where they're at. Wherever they are, it's a large city. And they go to the hub where all the business is done in the city. And they prayed when they were starting. They said, God, give us this city. Give us this area. And they said, the Lord just told us to preach. You know what they did? They said, we didn't have anything to stand on. We had a, we had a red milk carton box, like a milk crate. And he said, so we stood on that and I just began to preach the gospel and people began to get saved. And God promised us that we would have this place and he gave them a business office right there in that same square of business where it's so expensive. He's provided the money. He's got a team now. And all through Spain now, there's missionaries connected to Red Box Ministries. They preach on Red Boxes. And he says, well, people ask me, where'd the Red Box thing come? He said, because the first time we did it, we didn't have anything else to stand on, but we don't tell people that. Their last name is Bach, B-O-C-K. We have awesome, awesome missionaries that we support and team with. There's more than I can think of right now. There's more than I can probably talk about. Wanted Rich Ferguson, the Kinneys, Caitlin Mannion, Allison Mannion in the United States with Chi Alpha. Do you know that Chi Alpha is, is just impacting not only our culture, but the culture around the world in huge numbers? They're bringing the world to our universities, so they're, they're reaching the world. Allison Mannion right now is heading up the international ministries for Chi Alpha at, at IU Bloomington. The girl came in, they said, this girl's awesome. They handed her a whole new ministry and designed it for her, and she's running it, folks. One of our girls. Why? Because this is sufficient. It's sufficient. If we could have our men come, we're going to pass out our elements. Sorry for that pause. It made it sound like we were going to fall over, didn't it? We're going to pass out our, our elements here and take these together. And our whole purpose this morning is to know and understand
that the body and blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient. Go ahead, gentlemen. He's sufficient. The cross is still making an impact. The shed blood of Jesus Christ is still saving souls. The broken body of Jesus Christ is still calling us to give ourselves. He is able. give you the numbers for the Assemblies of God missionaries? When, when we were established in the early 1900s, there were 27 missionaries on the books. 27. I think it's 27. Today, there's over 2,000 world missions, missionaries from the Assemblies of God in over 140 different nations. Home missions, those who are called to the United States of America, there are over 2,400 missionaries who are serving in the United States right now in missions-based work. Reaching foreign people groups here. Do you know that there was, I cannot think of the guy's name, he came from Vietnam to reach. He left Vietnam, had been imprisoned over there for his faith, and came to the United States as a missionary from Vietnam to reach the Vietnamese, Vietnamese people, a certain people group in a city. <laughs> Isn't God cool? But 204, I mean, sorry, 2,400 missionaries in the United States. Folks, that's, that's over 4,400 worldwide. Now, what that does not include, that does not include missionary associates, that does not include uh, others who will come and serve like AIM trips and others to work for these different missionaries. doesn't include those things. But I can tell you this. No matter how many there are, it's still not enough when you consider the billions of people that are on top of this, on top of this world. Amen? We need more. And this morning, the cross is enough. It's enough for, for those people groups. You can go sit down if you want. It's enough for those people groups. It's enough for the United States. God is able to use us. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 11 talks about Paul gives instruction about the Lord's Supper. He says on the night he was betrayed took bread and he broke it. After he blessed it, he broke the bread. And he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Folks, this, this, this word about missions is, is people are laying their lives down and allowing their bodies to be broken for the lost. Jesus Christ set forth the greatest example of that. And today, some of us, we need to realize that instead of sitting underneath our vine, <laughs> we need to allow a little bit of brokenness in our lives so that others can see Jesus in us. Amen? Father, we just receive this today. We take up our cross. Lord, we, we lay our lives down for you. And we trust you, Father, with all of it. And we're grateful that you have connected us to your kingdom and to your message. We receive the call together. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise you, Lord. In the same way, he took the cup and he blessed it. I told him to drink this in remembrance of him. Here's the cool thing. He said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes. It takes me back to Acts where they said, Lord, is it now? Are you going to restore your kingdom now? And he said, 
It's not for you to be concerned with times or dates. I'm going to empower you and you're going to go be my witnesses. Isn't it cool that while we're being witnesses, we can still remember He is going to return. And that while we're waiting for His return, we are to be at work. Amen? In this blood is the healing of God, it's the healing of Christ, the atonement of Him, the saving grace of Him, and it's also uh, the anointing by which we do the work we're called to do. It's all because of the cross and His Spirit in us. But Father, we receive together today this as a remembrance of the work that was done on the cross and the life-changing work that's been done in our lives and the life-changing work that's being done in the lives of all of those around the world. God, we pray blessing upon this congregation and upon our lives. Lead us and guide us to be the witnesses you've called us to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Until you return, Lord, until He comes again, this morning, as we, as we dismiss, I just want to remind you tonight that we do have Leadership Appreciation Banquet here. Also, there was a, a video that I wanted to share that because of certain things that didn't work out this morning, I'm going to make sure that gets put on our Facebook page. So if you're a Facebook uh, follower of our church, um, go there and look this afternoon. I wanted to give you an example of other tribes and languages singing the same song and uh, for various reasons it didn't work but but I want to put that out there for you to see I encourage you, it will bless you make sure you click on it make sure you watch it it'll bless you I just want to put it up there for you and make sure that you're able to see that because I know it'll bless you so father help us to go in grace go in the power of your love and Lord we thank you for this day and your word we receive it and we now go forth into our mission field full of your presence and ready to do your will in Jesus name amen God bless you. Look forward to seeing you tonight at five.